Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Who likes campfire stories? You know, I mean, there's just something about a, 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 a cool story around a campfire. Uh, what about scary stories? Y'all like scary stories? No? Well, you're gonna hear one. You're going to hear one. I was probably about, oh, let's see, 16, probably 16 years old. Lived with my mom. Uh, It was me and my mom and my brother. We lived in a single wide uh, trailer house in Big Lake, Texas, kind of catty corner from the hospital. And uh, one night I I was laying in bed, and I used to always sleep with the radio on. Well, not just any radio. I had the boom box. You know what I mean? Styling right? Oh, yeah. can put it up here. Walk. It only required 42 D batteries. <laughs> 42 D batteries. But one night I was laying there, and I'd turn my radio on, and I had my wiener dog, Greta. Greta always slept with me. She was a standard uh, wiener dog. And I would, you know how like, you, you, you kind of have to turn over, and, and, and then to get comfortable, you got to rub your legs together like a cricket person, you know? To, to get all just right. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all are crickets too. Y'all do it. Move your legs and you get all comfortable and you get relaxed. There's soft music playing. And so I'm laying there and, and I kind of think I'm a, still awake, but you know how you can't really tell right at that magical moment. I thought I was still awake, but all of a sudden I heard, Kevin, boy, I come up out of that. What in the world? So I thought it was my brother because we used to always scare each other, right? So I thought it was my brother. And so a whole heart's pounding, right? But, like, I go open the door, and there's nothing there. And I was like, ah, that's my buddies. They're trying to get me to sneak out, right? So I go over to my window, open it up. Who's there? Ain't nobody there. That was weird, so I shut it. No big deal. I go back to bed. I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, just about asleep, I hear, Kevin. I wake up again. I was like, okay, this is my brother. So I stomp out. Not only do I open my door, because our doors are, like, right next to each other, because it's a trailer house. You know how it's built. And so I go in there, and my brother is like this. Yeah, he's out. And that kid can't, you know, play asleep or anything. He's out. So I get to thinking that it must be on the radio. Like the DJ's name is Kevin, and I'm just about to fall asleep. He says, hey, I'm Kevin so-and-so, you know, something like that. So no big deal. For the third time, or yeah, for the third time, I get back in bed, and I, I, I just leave the radio off this time. And anyway, so I'm... I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, I'm nearly asleep, and I hear it again. Kevin. And this time, Greta opens up her eye, or lifts up like that, and growls. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I open up my eyes, and I had, I now know that I had been asleep for quite a while, like hours, right? But uh, anyway, when I opened up my eyes, Greta jumped down, and she's sticking her nose, because we had one of those well-made American trailer houses that between the bottom of the door and the floor was this tall. Y'all know what I mean if you ever lived in a trailer house, right? There's like this, and it wasn't that much, but it was like this, right? And I see this light from the bathroom coming under the door and fog. And Greta is sticking her nose under the door and whining, and I immediately think the house is on fire right? And so I climb out of bed, and I grab Greta, and I open up the door thinking I'm going to save my entire family. 
and there's no fire. But let me tell you what there is. The bathroom door is creaked about this much, and the hot water is running full speed into the sink, and steam is flowing out of the bathroom. Well, because I am the man of the house, I grab my wiener dog. And I stand like this because I can't see in the mirror because it's all fogged up. But I'm going to push that door. And if it hits somebody behind the door, I'm throwing the wiener dog. Okay? This is scary movie stuff, right? And so I'm like, and I'm in my underwear just so you can get the visual. I push it open and nothing happens. So I, what? I still got the wiener dog. And I turn the hot water off. But there's still water running because the tub shower curtain is closed and the bathtub is running full blast. It's one thing to go like this with a door. It's another thing to open up a shower curtain. <laughs> but because I'm the man of the house, I rear back with the wiener dog. <laughs> no wiener dogs were harmed in the making of this story, just so y'all know. So I go up and I'm like... If I die right now, it's for my own good, right? So I throw them. You, just, you, you can't just do it slow. You think you want to, but you can't. You throw it open, and nobody was there. It was just the hot water. That's the end of my story. Scared the tar out of me. And I, listen, my brother used to sleepwalk and pee in the laundry, deter, in the laundry hamper. So, you know, I'm sure it was my brother sleepwalking or something like that. No big deal. It's... It's just a funny story that I like to tell. But isn't it how funny how society loves to believe and listen to scary campfire stories, but that same society denies the existence of Satan and evil in this world. What we're going to be talking about over the next couple of two, maybe even three weeks, is spiritual warfare. It is a break from my normal motivational type stuff, but I think that it needs to be talked about, about spiritual warfare. The Bible is it's full of this battle between good and evil, of God and, and Satan trying to thwart those plans and all of this stuff. But unfortunately, I think that the church today, they hardly even recognize the fact that there is a powerful spiritual being named Satan, originally named Lucifer, who was the chief angel over all of the cherubims. He was the most beautiful angel to ever exist. He was something. And he wanted to be God. He had so much, and the only thing he didn't have and couldn't do was be God, but he thought he could, so he talked one-third of the angels into rebelling against him. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that woe unto you the earth, for Satan has been cast down. Satan has been cast down. There is a spiritual warfare going on in America today. There is a spiritual warfare going on in Israel today. There is spiritual warfare going on in the entire world, this battle for the souls of men and women. It is real. And the greatest thing, that, the greatest accomplishment I think that the devil has been able to play is, is the one that we don't even believe in him anymore. We don't see the, what the work that he's doing. And if we, can't, if we don't believe in him and we can't see the work he's doing, how as Christians do we combat this? 
we'll start talking about that. But first, I think that we need to start with a real famous scripture that, uh, you know, it has to do with spiritual warfare, but a lot of people don't, you know, recognize it as such. And that's John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief's purpose, talking about Satan, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus speaking, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The spiritual warfare, what Satan's trying to accomplish, what God is trying to accomplish, right? Let's look at that. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. See, this is what the devil tries to do. Now, as believers, he cannot touch you. You are untouchable, okay? He cannot touch you, but he can make your life a living nightmare because what the devil tries to do and what he is so good at is he will steal your joy. Think about the state of the church. Seriously, think about the state of the church. We have been saved, not by our works, but by the grace of God. We are forgiven. Jesus himself said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus talking in third person, John 3, 17. For God did not send the uh, Son of Man to condemn the world, but to save it through him. Right? The, Satan's job is to steal our joy. And think about how many miserable Christians. Right? I don't know why, but somehow... Christianity is made up of a bunch of miserable people fighting with everybody. You know, you get online, you can't say anything on social media without somebody coming in and trying to Jesus juke you, tell you that you're wrong, prove their holiness, their self-righteousness, all of this stuff, and just bickering, 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 bickering. We should be the most joyous people on earth. We should be, but we're not. Because the devil comes to try to steal our joy. He will try to kill your faith. And he will try to destroy your relationships. The thief comes to kill your joy or steal your joy, kill your faith, and destroy your relationships. And that's not an inclusive, all-inclusive list. What else does Satan do in this spiritual warfare? He wanted to be God, right? That's why he rebelled. So even now, he still wants to be God. He tries to imitate God's voice. You know, the proverbial angel on one side, devil on the other, right? He, the devil will try to imitate God's voice. But how do we know, how can we distinguish between the two? Well, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think that, that there is definitely a dividing line. Because see, even though Satan can mimic the sound of God in our head or in our heart or whatever that case may be, Satan only uses condemnation to speak to us he only uses condemnation to speak to us he makes you want to give up you know whenever things are just going bad and you just want to give up that's not god god will never tell you to give up doing what is right how many times have we said well i don't know how much more that i you know i help everybody and i do this and i do that and i do this and i do that and nobody appreciates it i'm not going to do that for anybody anymore that's the devil talking wanting you to give up on that not god the devil uses condemnation he wants you to give up. You know what else he tries to get you to do? Is compare your life to somebody else's. Well, oh, so-and-so over there, he did this and ain't nothing happened to him and I do the right thing and all this happens to me, right? The devil will want you to compare your life to somebody else. He'll want you to pull away from friends and family and loved ones. He wants to isolate you. He'll talk to you in condemning words. 
He might say something like, you know, he, he always points to pride and blame. Let's blame somebody else for this. Let's blame God for this. Let's blame God. All of our problems, all your problems can be blamed on God. Because if God loved you, how could he let this happen to you and this happen to you and this happen to you and this happen to you, right? You know, all, that, that's, that's how you know it's the devil's voice. See, the devil will say something like this. Hey, if you want to be a real cowboy, you got to drink more, cuss more, and womanize better than anyone else. And if you don't, you're a loser. And cowboys believe that junk. I believed that junk at one time in my life. That is not what a good cowboy is. But the devil tries to say, if you don't do this, then you're not enough. But God, on the other hand, starts with, you are enough. <laughs> the devil says, if you don't do this, you're not good enough. Jesus starts with, you're enough. You, you are enough. See, man, God is so amazing. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them, give them. He did not say, my purpose is to make them earn. He didn't say, my purpose is for me to get them to a point where they deserve this. My purpose is to make them work for. My purpose is for me to shame them into following me. God doesn't say that. He doesn't say any of that. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them. Give them a rich life. Give them. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What is a rich life? He's not saying my job is to fill your bank account to overflowing. That is not what rich means. In this concept, it's not money, but deep and meaningful. Okay? It's like looking at a picture of Hawaii and standing on the beach. Okay? That's what he means by not just life, but a rich life, a deep and meaningful life. A rich and satisfying life. Satisfying. What does he mean by satisfying? What kind of satisfying life does God want to give us? Well, it's like this. It gives purpose, a life that gives purpose and fulfillment. A life that means and counts for something. I mean, come on. Like, not in a prideful way, but don't all of us want our lives to have a purpose and mean something? That's why God came. Send his son. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What else is satisfying that he wants to give us is to know that we are loved beyond comprehension. You are enough. You are loved beyond comprehension. I have come that I may give them, not earn, not deserve, nothing like that. Earn, uh, give. How does God speak? He speaks in conviction. Conviction means this. Like, when you hear it, you know that whatever this voice is telling you to do might be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life, but you know you'll be better off for it. That is conviction. Kevin, you need to quit dipping Copenhagen because you know what? It's the first thing you think about when you wake up. It's the last thing you think about before you go to bed. It's, it's the thing that you think about that you have to spit a dip out so that you can eat. But just do it real quick so you can get another one. That's what kind of hold Copenhagen had on me. I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying it about me. 
God's conviction was, you're better than this and you don't need it. And I knew that it would be the most difficult thing in the world. If you think it's hard to quit once, quit twice. Just because I'm the one that has to pee on the electric fence twice. God speaks in convictions. He makes you want to do better and be better, right? And it's never easy what God's telling us. Forgive them, love them anyway. Ask for forgiveness from, from God and from others. I had to do it this morning. It's not easy, but it's right. And God's voice always points to love, even when it's hard love. If your brother offends you, go to that person in private and talk to him. That's hard stuff, but it's right. That's conviction speaking. You need to go talk to that guy. Don't write anything about it on social media. Don't call your best friend. Go talk to them, knock on the door, and speak with them face to face. God says, if you want to be a real cowboy, you got to put your faith in me and what I can accomplish through you. It's a tough trail. Sissies need not apply. That's what God says. He tells you it's going to be tough. He warns you it's going to be tough, but he warns you that everything you're looking for, everything you need, everything that's going to fulfill you in your life is on the other side of it. And everything, and in that deal, the devil will try to stop you. Before we get into some more scripture about this, I need you to understand that there is a difference between spiritual warfare and the consequences of sin. Okay? See, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Most of the time, we're still talking about spiritual warfare and consequences of sin. Most of the time, the devil doesn't need to do anything to us, okay? Most of the time, the devil does, we do not need any prodding because of our sinful nature. He doesn't need to attack us. Listen, if you hit your wife with a long yellow hot shot and she hits you with the dooley, that is not spiritual warfare. That is the, con you are suffering the consequences of your poor choices, okay? The devil has nothing to do with this. You, my friend, are silly. The Bible might call it foolish, okay? There's a difference in spiritual warfare and consequences of sin. You are not, as, man, a lot of times you're not experiencing spiritual warfare. You're experiencing stupidity, right? Let's, let's keep those two things separate, you know? Spiritual warfare exists for the saved and the unsaved, okay? But the devil doesn't have to work on the ladder. They're on autopilot, right? To the, to the unsaved, those that don't have Christ in their life, man, all he has to do is just point. He don't even hardly have to lift a finger just that way. And, and, and those people just run off. I mean, you open up the newspaper, watch the evening news. You can see of how evil is just rampant in this world, in our ideologies, in our, what we think is important. The devil doesn't really have to work on that. They don't have Christ in their life. They have no protections. He can just basically make them do whatever they want to do. But he has to work on you. He has to work on those that are saved. He has to work on those that have been justified, sanctified, and a bunch of other odd words. Right? He has to work. He has to work on y'all. He has to work on us. And you know what? Unfortunately, when you do good things, you get a bullseye on your back, and the devil likes target practice. But remember, all he can do to you is steal your joy, kill your faith, and destroy your relationships. And I bet you've already been thinking how he's done all three of those at some point in your life, maybe right now. So let's look at some scriptures for recognizing what spiritual warfare looks like. In 1 Peter 5, 8, in the Simplified Cowboy Version, Peter says, Keep your head on a swivel and pay attention. The outlaw, the devil, stalks you every minute of every day. 
like a hungry lion. Your, your Bible will say something like this. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Same thing, different words. What does this mean? Keep your head on a swivel. You never know where he'll attack from. But most of the time where he'll attack is when there's an opening like pride or like uh, temptation, giving in to temptation or becoming greedy or materialistic or something like that. He waits for that opening just like a, like a hungry lion with the, with the gazelles or whatever those things are in, in Africa that, you know, gets off by itself, gets a little bit hurt, boom, attacks you. Keep your head on a swivel. Pay attention. <laughs> this is a hard one for me. Pay attention. The best way to pay attention, at least for me, is to keep my head out of the clouds as well, out of the dumps. Because both do the same thing. It distracts us. Man, sometimes we can be on cloud nine with our, cloud, with our head in the clouds and just get waylaid from beside, you know, from behind. Never know when. I mean, the one that hurts is the one you don't see coming, right? But being down in the dumps as well, man, when we get so focused on ourselves, we don't see that he's just taking pop shots at us like a duck in a barrel, right? With a lid on, pay attention. He stalks you. I want you to think about the imagery there. He is stalking you. He sees you, but he doesn't think you can see him. He sees you, but he doesn't think you'll see him. Can you prove him wrong? When you see it coming, those negative thoughts, that condemning thoughts, thinking bad about yourself, thinking that you're not good enough, thinking that nobody loves you. Man, he's just whispering in your ear, trying to steal your joy, kill your faith destroy your relationships. He stalks you like a hungry lion, like a hungry lion. He has a hunger for your pain. He has a hunger for your pain. He's a hungry lion, not a moody teenager, right? He's not somebody that you can just be like, well, he'll get over it, you know, and walk on. It's not like that. And I know a lot of you say, well, I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the hungry lion than the moody teenager. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get the sentiment, but let me go drop you in the middle of where there's lions, where you're all by yourself and where the lions are hungry, and let me see if you still would rather be stalked by a moody teenager or a hungry lion. We can laugh, we can have jokes, but spiritual warfare is real. And that verse right there is sobering. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The second verse, don't catch yourself thinking or saying God is trying to get you to ride somewhere or do something that ain't right. The boss can't be seduced by such things and he ain't gonna do that to you either, James 1.13. What does this mean? Listen, I I've heard it said, I bet I've said it at some point in time, God must be tempting me. God will never, ever, 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 tempt you. God does not tempt. That was in the Simplified Cowboy Version. The real Bible says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. That right there is why I said, God is not tempting you. Okay? It wasn't because I'm smart or have all the answers. It's because, the, because God said, uh, God is not, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Listen, these temptations that are coming upon you, that is spiritual warfare. That is not coming from God. God is not testing you with temptation. God will test you, okay? God will test you, but he does not test you with temptation. 
Okay? He doesn't dangle the bottle in front of you. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, dangle websites you shouldn't look at in front of you. He doesn't dangle juicy gossip in front of you to see if you'll take it. God does not do that. The devil does. It's called spiritual warfare, and we need to learn to see it for what it really is. So what's the difference in a test and a temptation? Well, tests are hard, okay? I want you to remember that. The difference in tests and temptation is that tests are hard. They push you to grow and become who you could never be on your own, and it takes time, right? Tests are difficult. They take time, and deep in your heart, you know if you're to do this, you would be better, okay? That's a test. Temptations are not hard. Temptations are easy. Just give in. It ain't hurt you the other 30,000 times you've done it. One more time ain't going to hurt you none. You can just stop talking about that girl. This girl, she deserves it, right? No, it doesn't work like that. Temptations are easy. They don't grow you. They take away from your growth. They push you backwards. Temptation is the trail to hating yourself. Think about that. That's the fruit of temptation is that you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and then you start hating yourself, and the devil's like, this is too easy. This is just too easy. Giving into temptation makes us into who we never wanted to be, who we don't want to be. Tests make us become who we want to be more than we want to be. Temptation makes us into who we never wanted to be. And finally, in Galatians 5.17, Simplified Cowboy Version, what the Spirit wants for us and what our human nature wants are two opposite things. Trying to do both is like straddling a barbed wire fence. You don't get anywhere and it hurts real bad. Okay, that's a simplified cowboy version. Let me tell you what, it, what the real Bible says. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. That's what I said. For, those, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Listen, man, here's the deal. This is just a lot of words to say this. The battle is real, R-E-A-L, which stands for really early for acronym learning. That's a joke. The battle is real, R-E-A-L, real. And to think otherwise, man, we're just deceiving ourselves. If you are not actively and intentionally following the Spirit of God, you're following human nature and or sin. If you are not actively and intentionally following the Spirit, because our human nature will lead us astray, but God will lead us in the right path. That is why we have to pay attention, sober-minded. All of this stuff that we're talking about is teaching us how to be more than conquerors. If you're not actively and intentionally following the Spirit of God, you're following human nature and sin. You cannot do both. You can't do both, guys. I wish I could tell you different, but I can't. You're either following God or you're not, but the devil sure wants you to try. Think about that. You can't do both. I mean, God himself said, no man can serve two masters. You can't do both, but the devil will convince you that you can. Oh, you can still be a Christian and do this other stuff. Think about that. This is spiritual warfare. And I know it sounds churchy, and that's what the devil wants. That's what he's telling you right now. I wish Kevin would get back to those funny stories and everything like that. Nobody wants to hear this spiritual warfare stuff. That's the devil talking to you because what we're talking about today is the truth, and he doesn't want you to know the truth. And finally, don't fall into, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, please, do not fall into the error that author C.S. Lewis identified when he said this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. 
One is to disbelieve in their existence. He's saying that it's wrong to disbelieve in their existence. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race fall, can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. In other words, man, it is real. It is real. And what we get to know from this is to keep our sights on God. For it is God, His purpose was to give us a rich and satisfying life, knowing that He will protect us, knowing that He gave us the Bible to guide us, and to know that He will be with us to the end of every age. Listen, not everything is demonic, but just live and so live soberly in awareness of the fact that they are out there and they do not want you following God. Let's go to him in prayer.